0: Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
1: The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals.
2: Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator.
1: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. It's time to attend you when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. This yeah. Smash!
3: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talker Radio, Britain's fastest-growing radio station. The day is almost upon us. The eyes of the world will be focused on Windsor for the next 48 hours and everyone is already being nice to one another out there on the streets. Why is it that a royal wedding always makes everyone feel better about being British? Of course, there are pockets of dissent. There's one pub in Derby threatening to find people who even mention the royal couple. But fear not, we'll be going live to our reporter on the spot, Sophie all throughout the show. And we'll be toasting Harry and Meghan later on with our good friends from Glasgow. Of bubbles, Daisy McAndrew is here, looking very excited to be uh, given the news just before the show started that Prince Charles Prince is now going to be walking her down the aisle.
0: Princess, now, I am hoping this is what Meghan and her mum wanted. Yeah. I'm hoping that Meghan's mum probably thought, "Can anybody do this rather than me?" The thought is terrifying. Yes. If that's the case, I think it's really sweet. Okay. If they've been forced into doing it this way, obviously that's a <laughs> different matter. But I am looking at it half full, and I think it's going to be really. Well, a we're going to talk size. about
3: it. We're going to talk about it. it's a very odd decision. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Of course, there are other things going on as well. Lots of people are upset that Theresa May's plans to elevate ten Tories to the House of Lords to counter all the remainers in there. People are saying, oh, it's undemocratic. Oh, what, not like all the other 750 people in there who just got put in there for no good reason other than somebody wanted them to go in there. What's the difference? I don't care. And we'll be finding out what's going on in our nation's high streets as well. 0344 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew on Talk Radio. And because it's Friday, we've got another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards as well.
1: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We begin... Let's get married, hand, walk in
3: park. Let's I think that get might be my favourite wedding song of all time, you know, the Proclaimers. Fantastic song. It's very, very I good. love it. Now, I'm going to tell you later on about a rather mysterious and murky scenario that I uncovered over the course of the night. Paul Ross, right? Yes. Uh, who's got a bit of form in this area, uh, stole a bottle of beer. Not just any bottle of beer, a bottle of special royal beer that was sent into this show for it to be showcased, right? By a very well-known um, supermarket chain. I'm going to say this Waitrose because they did send it in. They he also said, sent in that very nice bouquet of flowers. That Paul I gave Ross to, has stolen your beer. He's stolen my beer. And how this... do we
0: know? Is it? Do we have we found evidence that? Well, he he
3: tweeted out in the middle of the night. He does the overnight show. He tweeted out in the middle of the night that he had found a bottle of beer that had been sent to him, right. Both of which statements were, in fact, lies, because the first uh, one that he got wrong was that it was sent to him. The box was clearly not addressed to him. It was addressed to our producer, Con. right? He's written on the box that he's taking it, and he had to open the box, which was sealed... And dig around and find it and then take it.
0: Right. So he's not a criminal mastermind because he's left quite he's strong not, evidence. He's not very including clever. An, Nobody's an, an ever admi- accused him of being clever. An admission of guilt. Yeah. Um, and do, do we know how he's responded today or is he too hungover? To I, mean, I think he's
3: finished the beer and he's gone into a <laughs> deep sleep and he hasn't responded yet to my tweet to him so as to what he's going to do to make a good.
0: I was going to say, what what are we demanding?
3: Well, we're demanding, first of all, that he makes good on uh, the yes. stealing of uh, the beer, which means he has to replace it. It's called Windsor Knot.
0: Windsor Knot. Okay. Very good. Windsor not being the
3: tie being made from the Windsor yeah. and Eton Brewery, which is going to be sold uh, over the weekend in various selected shops, right? Is that so the
0: schoolboys have... school brewery? Yes, that's right.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they also make pachine. They, they make they
0: make it. No, so their... he's going
3: to have to bring me Tailcoats. back a bottle of Windsor knot. In fact, yeah. maybe five bottles of Windsor knot to make up for the yeah. fact that he stole it in the first place. He's going to have to apologise publicly uh, on this show. Uh, he's going to have to come on and say how sorry he is. Uh, that he has ruined the show.
0: And then do we put
3: him on the naughty step? And we'll put him about. on the naughty step where yeah. he's quite frankly uh, used to being.
0: Yes. He's quite comfortable there. He's
3: comfortable there. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say to him right here and now if he wants to come and have a go, right. then he's very welcome.
0: It's a challenge. It is. Right, so you see how weddings can get nasty. Yeah, there's so always a is, fight at
3: a wedding, and this, this is it.
0: There's always a fight, and it's normally involves beer. So it does. We're, we're just doing it a day early. Exactly.
3: Now, I'll tell you where there won't be any really fights about weddings, and that's at a pub up in Derby, right? We're going to speak now to Anna Dyson-Edge, uh, who is the landlady of the Alexandra Hotel up in Derby, uh, because she's banned all talk of the royal wedding. Anna, what's wrong with you? Nothing. You <laughs> at all, thank you, I'm fine. But, I mean, you're a bit, a bit of a Grinch, aren't you? I mean, everybody's feeling good about the wedding, people love a royal wedding, they get, you know, very sort of excited, they get happy, they start... I mean, even in London, people are talking to each other.
4: No, it's... Um, a lot of our regulars came in and said, they're sick of hearing about the talk of the royal wedding, so they're not interested, um, there's too much of it, so good opportunity to raise money for charity yes
3: and you've done this before haven't you because when prince william uh married kate uh you did you did it then and raised about 400 quid right we did yes right so what's the actual rule i mean what if i came into the pub and said um could i have a pint of um, guinness in order to celebrate the royal wedding what would happen to me uh
4: you'd get the charity box shaken at you
3: <laughs> and how much would you expect me to, to cough up
4: that's what would
3: happen to you. <laughs> and what would, what, how much would you expect me to cough up? It doesn't
4: matter. It's all for charity, so it's all in the name of fun, really. To be honest,
3: it's,
4: mm. it's and which, just
0: a good charity raiser. Sorry if I if I the start. So which charity are you raising for? It's for the
4: Nightingale McMillan Unit, which is the local cancer unit.
0: Very good, and it sounds like you've got you, you've got going already. So, yes. it sounds quite yes. healthy. It it. It feels
4: it. It's one of the um, official collection boxes, so we obviously can't see how much you're...
3: Now, I've seen a picture of your uh, your sign that you've got up, Royal Wedding Free Zone. Please refrain from discussing the Royal Wedding. We're not interested. Let's talk about beer or the weather instead, or something more interesting. Have you got a yes. list of topics that, that you could throw out? Um,
4: no, you can talk about anything you like other than Derby? That. Yes.
3: Possibly. Yes. Um,
4: at all. Why
3: people in Derby are so miserable?
4: Well, they're fake up. <laughs>
3: Ah uh, you know you have you got televisions in the in the pub? No, no we haven't. Oh so you won't actually even be able to see it at all.
4: No, not at all. I'm going to Birmingham.
3: Oh are you? <laughs> yeah. What are you going to do in Birmingham?
4: <laughs> I'm going to see Jeff Dunham in Birmingham. You see who? Jeff Dunham, the American ventriloquist. Oh
3: right, okay. Marvelous. Marvellous. I bet I, I
0: bet he'll have some wedding jokes. He might have
3: some jokes about the royal wedding, yeah. Uh,
0: probably so, yeah. Yeah. He might have a, a Megan Dummy.
3: He might yes. have. I'm <laughs> making Dubby. Yes, the mind boggles. Well, listen, Anna, good luck to you. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll raise another 400 quid or possibly more. Yeah. Well, let's hope so, yes. I Thank you very much indeed. That. Anna Dyson Edge there from I- the Alexandra Hotel. I- this is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham 03444991000 we'll have another sparkling edition of the Perrier Awards a special royal edition actually I presume yes. of the Perrier Awards presented Awards. Uh, as brilliantly as they were last week by Daisy McAndrew who's here uh, this week uh, here's one from Sean He says there are two, one or two things that make me proud to be British but the wedding of two people I don't know and don't care about isn't one of them and then he adds come on united so he's obviously in the husband. same, same camp as your husband looking forward to but the I think uh, he's
0: missing the point it's not a about the two people, it's not necessarily about the two people um, getting married. It's about the the ceremony and the party that the country puts on. Yeah. That you know the the sort of as you call it. I hate the expression "pomp and ceremony," but there aren't many other expressions. That, that's to, what it is. I, right? It is. I know it's just such a cliche, mm. but you know all the, the the military processions, um, the way that the, the castle will look. It's all. It, it's an advert for, yeah. for our country really and, and the way that and we even put if you these don't care
3: on. about the individuals concerned yeah. and you supposedly don't care about the royal family, you still feel better about yourself and the country. I, I, I challenge anyone to tell me they don't feel better this week yeah. than they have for a while, because the sun is shining, miserable. you know, yeah. the world is watching, and everybody's having a good time. So, you know, don't be so bloody miserable, would be my <laughs> message to you. 0344 We're going down uh, now to Windsor. Sophie Eastall is there all day for uh, Talk Radio, and uh, we're going to find out just how it's all going. Sophie, a very good morning to you. Welcome. <laughs>
2: Good morning Mike, how are you? Yeah,
3: very well indeed. We're all very excited here at Talk Radio Towers because you know the day is practically upon us.
2: It is, and I mean if you're excited over there, well people are very excited <laughs> here. It's getting busier and busier, the sun's shining, barriers are up, Union Jack flags out in force. Mm. There's been a brass band of school children, a town crier, um, all sorts of things. And then also the, the security is um, clearly out in force. I saw some police officers earlier and I asked them what they were doing and they mm. were checking manhole covers and they've been around all the manhole covers in Windsor. They've, sealed, they've first checked if anything's inside them. Once it's not, they've sealed them. Right. And then they're rechecking to check that nobody's been in there and put any explosives in there. Um, they said it's a, a, a massive job so um, we'll be safe.
3: Well that's one of the things I suppose that, that you don't realise is going on in the background is, is the massive security operation because we've heard from some people in and around Windsor that it's quite difficult to, to, to get around because a lot of the roads are closed off right?
2: Yeah that's true and they, we've also been warned of big chaos on the train so if you are planning to come to Windsor more than 100,000 people are expected uh, you need to get on the train quite early because. If there's too many people here, the trains won't stop uh, if it becomes a, a safety issue. But it's, it's going to be a fabulous day. And I mean, some people are making darn well sure that they are going to be on, here t- on time because there's people already camped out from all around the world. Um, I've met a bunch of Canadians, um, Americans, people who've been there for three nights. And actually, I'm here with a lady called um, Cheryl now. Hi, Cheryl. Hello. Hello. Are you happy to be here
3: for the Royal Wedding? Oh, I'm so excited. It's a dream come true for me. I'm so happy.
2: So Cheryl's come from London and she's going to stay here tonight. If you could see her, you'd see she's decked out in flags of Meghan and Harry. Um, lots of gold bling jewellery and a fabulous St George's flag. Why do you love um, the Royal Family so much, Cheryl?
3: Oh, I just love them. They're just a dream for me. I just love Harry, Prince Harry and Prince William. Yeah, they are so excited for me. I was there when um, the baby born, the three kids. I was camping outside St Mary's Hospital, Winderland. So I'm excited to be down here today.
2: And is Meghan Markle good enough for your beloved Prince Harry then?
3: Oh yes, oh yes. That's beautiful. It's a
2: wonderful dream. There you go, very, very happy. You see, I mean, how could you here? fail
3: to just smile when you hear somebody talking with such enthusiasm? It's wonderful. I really love this. It's great. I think we're going to have a very feel-good show today. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. We'll talk to you again soon. Sophie, you still are there, reporting in from Windsor. So apparently, um, if you don't allow your children access to the internet at the age of four they will become uh, the subject of bullying very possibly in the playground in which they uh, go to kindergarten yep. uh, because all the other kids will be having a look at the internet and will have access to play video games and access to YouTube and access to all they kinds of things. They will be phoning
0: Esther Ranson and complaining. On Childline yeah on absolutely child right. And complaining.
3: Yeah which is an extraordinary statement really but let's talk yeah. to Alice Cashmore uh, who is of course um, uh, in the Midlands uh, in Birmingham, Professor of Sociology at Aston University author of Screen Society I think uh, has got some interesting things to say about this. Alice a very good afternoon to you.
1: Hello, Mike. I didn't quite say that they were going to be bullied, by the way. I said that, basically, that the kids... You know, if you've got a four-year-old kid who enjoys... it's attracted to screens, then they want to play, they want to enjoy the games, they want to dance in front of them, they want to learn, and that's what kids do, learn from screens. So if you do deprive them at that age, chances are... They will look a bit odd by the time they get to six or eight when all the other kids are pretty savvy and quite skilled at navigating the way through the net.
3: Well, the reason I said that was because Mm. I was quoting from an article in The Times in which you are quoted as saying, by removing screens you are taking away an encyclopedic source of information, depriving young people of a vital source of communication and potentially exposing them to a form of bullying.
1: Well, I wouldn't call it bullying in the sense that I'm not saying, you know, I'm not predicting that if you take these things away from kids when they get to school, they are going to get knocked about. I think there's a possibility, a good possibility, I should say, that kids will make fun of them because they'll say, hey, you know... We'd, we've got our phones, we've got our tablets, yeah. we've got our laptops. We know what we're doing, and kids spend so much time with these devices nowadays. But well, that's if the problem. If you don't isn't know it? how to work your way around it, then you're going to be the odd one out.
3: Sure, and I agree with uh, all of that the, uh, statement you've just made. However, it's not mm. necessarily a reason to make them then have everything, because the problem no. is is that that's also an argument for letting them do all sorts of other things that might not be good for them. So, on the basis, what, though, so on the basis, well, I mean, you can get bullied. Uh, I don't, I'm not talking about being physically. Bullied, but I mean, you can you can have your peers make fun of you throughout your life from the age of you know three or four all the way up to the age of eighty four, depending on whether or not. What I'm saying is, if just because you don't fit in with everybody else, surely it's better to teach children that it's okay not to be the same as everybody else. It's okay not to have the same views as everybody else. It's actually better to be an individual.
1: Well, I don't have the same views as everybody else because I'm saying this, and everybody today is saying to me, (laughs) we do want to protect our kids and we do want to censor their time on the net. we do want to restrict them. So, uh, obviously, there's nothing wrong with being a contrarian and arguing against the odds, so I have no problem with that No, there. indeed, but that's what but, I'm saying. If,
3: if you use the logic that, you know, oh, they might be subject to ridicule if they don't have a, the same things that everybody else has, then you're kind of walking down a quite dangerous road on you.
1: I don't, well, I'm just telling the truth, Mike. This is the point. I think that Well you you're are giving your opening, opinion it's not I quite the same. I think you. Well, based on research, I think you are opening up the kid to the possibility that they will be as you say ridiculed at school if they don't know how to navigate the way around the net because so many kids You know, I'm almost at the point of saying that uh, it's unlikely to happen because I think parents now have got used to the idea that kids are living in a screen society. You know, it's everything that they do is in some way connected to the screen. The reason why they believe that is because they're doing it themselves. Every person who's listening to us right now will have a screen of some kind, and they will use that screen either for their work or their recreation. So they're going to look at their children and think, Is it wise to stop the kids engaging in something that I do every day of my life and they will probably be doing every day of their lives as well?
0: So, Alice, if if we agree that no screen time at all is neither practical um, nor uh, nor the correct way to go, um, where do we go from that? Because I think, you know, as parents, what we all worry is too much screen time. So where does it go from enough to too much?
1: I'm not sure that there is such a thing as too much in a situation like this because it is, it does introduce kids to such a wonder world of information. I mean, it's an encyclopedic source. And when they're not learning on the net, they're conversing with other people, they're interacting, they're meeting people. But if
0: I left my... Well, Mm. if I left my kids, but particularly my 10-year-old, you know, unsupervised with a screen for as long as he wanted, he would just play Fortnite for six hours, non-stop. He, and that can't be good for him. He's going do that
1: anyway, though. This is the thing. I mean, I, if you leave your kid unsupervised, which I'm sure you do, at 10, I mean, it's would be impossible to supervise a kid. You know, you, you, it, it'd be like...
3: You know, yeah, but I don't but, uh, let him... Well, that's not true. That's an nonsense, I'm afraid, Ellis. Of course you can supervise your children, right? You supervise them by saying to them, OK, you want to play Fortnite? You've got an hour to play it, OK? People have already said to me, you don't tell them to stop playing the game and then make them walk away from it because they're in the middle of the game and that's going to annoy them. But it's, well, you wouldn't allow your children to do anything unsupervised when they're that sort of age. You wouldn't, you, allow, think- you wouldn't allow a four-year-old to go out on a bike and go, yeah, just take the bike for a ride, see you whenever you fancy coming back, would you?
1: Mike, you think you can possibly control a 10-year-old and say we are restricting you to X number of hours? Yes, I can. Of course I can. I don't think you can because... I do. I just go and
0: say, right, turn it off now. Well, we've
3: both both got 10-year-olds, and we both know how to do it. Well, I
1: believe where there's a will, there's a way. And kids today, if they want to get on the net, they'll find a way of doing it.
3: Now, well, they might find a way of doing it from thin air. They'll have to have a device handy in order to
1: accept themselves onto it. Well, I just believe... Kids, even at 10, are nowadays more ingenious than you give them credit for.
3: No, I realise how ingenious they are. I think the problem with your theory, Alice, is that, you know, in a perfect world, Not it theory, would be... Mike. It's a theory, Mike. It is a finding. theory. Oh, no, yeah. it's a theory. The point about it is, is that in a perfect world, it would be great. Because I agree with you, it's much better for children to learn about the world themselves, and it's much better for them to control their own environment themselves, rather than referring to, to their parents all the time. And I think that's great. However... In the background, you know that there are some bad people out there who are willing to do some terrible things to children that you can't allow them access to have unfettered at all without any kind of monitoring whatsoever. And there are some terrible things that they can find on the internet which they shouldn't be looking at.
1: And it's a question of balance. I don't think you can... uh, I, I think, you know, every parent out there is aware of the dangers, not just on the net, but everywhere. And I think that you have to... Educate your kids accordingly. I don't think you educate them by banning stuff.
3: No, and I think that's a very good principle, generally speaking. However, you will not walk down the a regular high street of this country and mm. see the kinds of things that they, their eyes could fall upon by accident on the internet... You know, sorts of horrible, you know, sexual activity, some some really but, disgusting but my uh, violence. Kids are curious, huh? They, but
1: the kids are curious; they they just want to know about. No, but, these but, but well, I'm, I think... I'm
3: referring to what you just said, Alice, about the fact that there are dangers everywhere. Yes, there are, but there are not the sorts of horrible things that can be seen on the internet well, in I their mean, everyday lives, just walking and I around.
1: Think the combination of the is it the parent combined with the the uh, the stuff that they learn on the internet should equip the kid well to, to navigate through these things so that, that they have a kind of a protective shell around them. I mean, they're not going to be that vulnerable forever. I mean, these are not naive no, kids nowadays. No, but, so. but they
3: will be vulnerable for a period of time, Ellis, and it is our duty as parents and even as educators in our society to ensure that they are not led down places where they are too young to go.
1: Well, your, your, your principle is you protect them. Mine. Well, is I'm afraid it is, yeah. Well, you well can... mine is you educate but, but, them but, but and you Ellis, educate through experience.
0: But Ellis, surely you, you know, uh, the two things are not both. mutually
3: exclusive, though. I can educate and protect. No, they're not. As Guess I what? Said earlier, it's a balance.
0: But I'm still unclear, Ellis, of what you would do with you know a, a sort of a prep school, a, a primary school uh, child, as far as you know, allowing them to use the internet or to use electronics or you know an, an Xbox or whatever. You know, what would your rules be, or would you simply have no rules?
1: Well, I think that you you allow the rules to develop in the sense that you don't start with a framework and say to a four-year-old child, this is what you're going to do with the net." You allow, you you view, you monitor to see what the kid's fascination is with whatever screen devices that they have, what they're playing with, what what they enjoy doing, what they find rewarding. And then, obviously, you're you're not standing at their shoulder every second they're in front of a screen, but should you notice that something a bit untoward or something a bit unholy, shall we say is appearing i don't think it would by the way but you know just theoretically and you did ask me the question then i think you have to educate the kid and say that these are not particularly good i
0: I get that but on a practical level i'm still unclear i'm imagining you you know as a parent with a child in a house i mean would you just give that child an ipad and and not demand it back at any time of day
1: i think that that's probably would be what what a you, you cater to the kid's appetite and I think a kid probably would get pretty bored at four with an iPad constantly. They'd probably go to it while in a restaurant, for example, where the where the adults are involved in a conversation. The kid might be bored and say can have the iPad and wants to play a game on the uh, a video game. So I think that that's completely permissible.
3: So what do you do? What have you done with your own kids as far as if you have them? I don't know if you do, but if you do, how, do,
1: how have you managed it? Haven't you put this together yet, Mike? I don't have children. <laughs> you don't you don't have any kids. I
0: was getting there, Alice. I was getting I there.
3: I thought one of you would uh, tumble me. <laughs> well, yeah, I was waiting for the end of the interview so that I could just completely rubbish everything you'd said. <laughs>
1: I think you've done that pretty effectively or had a good job of doing it for the last time. <laughs> Listen, minutes, Ellis, like. I, I think where, what we
3: have here is a very good area of common ground. I think a lot of what you say makes perfect sense. I think yeah. tailored slightly, it would be the way forward. I wish everybody was as uh, hopeful and optimistic as you in terms I'm not, of... I'm in not terms that much of... of
1: a... In fact, Mike, I'm I'm a cynic about these things. Yeah. I'm not the idealist that you're painting me out to be. Really? I'm, pr- I'm, I'm practical, though. Okay. I just think we live in a world where screens are surrounding us already, and will continue to do so over the next several decades. Yes. What do we do about it? Because we now have a generation of young people to whom screens are not, you know, wondrous devices like they are to me and you. They are just their reality. Yeah. They work through them. They live through them. No,
3: listen, I totally get that. I live through that because that's what my kids are like, but... Danger lurks in some places, and I think it's our duty And I'm trying to, to, to... figure out a way yes, and, that and... we
1: can educate kids rather than banning it, Because yep. you know as well as I do, automatically you ban something, it becomes forbidden for Yes, and no, I agree. And the will do whatever they can to find it. So you say to your child, you must not go on this website. What's the first thing they're going to do when you ban it? Yeah. What
3: age are you going to hand a crack out to them, Ellis?
1: Uh, you're, you're, I'm talking about screens Mark. I know, I, I know, I'm just danger joking danger with you Listen Alice, I it's a great conversation call them crack but I know <laughs> a lot of people say that this is the uh, the technological equivalent of crack cocaine I'm not buying that argument but I think we'll have to save that for another We, we will, we'll
3: have it again because it's a very good argument to have Alice Cashmore there uh, who is of course the author of Screen Society Professor of Sociology at Aston University Childless, mind you we got plenty of opinions about childless children
0: Childless hasn't been there or done it and got the t-shirt no. like No, like but listen, now, he does
3: have a point It's time for this The 2018 Perrier
1: Awards on Talk Radio.
0: Well, a very good afternoon and welcome to this week's Perrier Awards, the only event this week that will go down in history for its pomp and ceremony. Every Friday we cast our ears back over the week of the so-called Independent Republic of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. I'm Daisy McAndrew, attempting to fill in for Katy Perry as she heads down to Windsor to camp outside the chapel to get the very best view of the royal couple. But worry ye not, myself and the rest of the team have headed down to Katy's pop-up tent on the pavement to discuss this week's nominees. And after three gruelling hours, we finally came to a unanimous agreement. So... Let's find out who is this week's winners of the Perrier Awards. Now, our first one goes to me. I win the Don't worry, no one noticed
1: award. Yeah, and we we sleep separately, um, uh, and we have always done so. The thing is, um, it. It's... Brilliant. Professional broadcasting at its very best.
0: I think I was probably doing something, lifting my glass to my lips. Don't ask me what was in it. What was in it now? Next on, well, that was my stupid moment. Mike Graham wins the Stupid Award for this revelation.
1: Even counting sheep uh, doesn't actually work because you're counting. I never uh, knew how to do that, anyway.
3: See, they didn't put the second bit in, so though, you which know, was... So you know now. Well, I used to count them in a field rather than jumping over well, a fence.
0: So What's I can tell that? you, as a, as a lifelong insomniac, mm. it makes no difference whether you're <laughs> counting them in a field or
3: jumping I'd over a i always run fence. out of them. Yeah. So that was. I'd get to the end and yeah. go, well, what do I do now?
0: Well, it's a never ending supply of sheep. You've just got to keep going until it works. Okay, so we've both been a bit stupid. Now, our next Perry Award winner is dear Michael Fabricant. He wins this week's award for best question.
1: But who would ever want to visit Tamworth?
0: The pigs. No, they didn't. They were trying to. Weren't they the tamworth pigs? They who, were the tamworth who, pigs. Yeah, ra- the ones that away. escaped from the abattoir. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Even they didn't want to. Visit they they tamworth, wanted to run away. As well, yeah. Now we can't reveal the true name of the next Perrier Award. We've had to have to. We've had to substitute one word. But congratulations, Mike, on winning Bar Steward of the Week. I genuinely think there's nothing more stressful than firing people. I think. Oh, I quite you enjoy will... it. <laughs>
3: True, as know. well. I
0: used to love it. I used to tie them up <laughs> see, and flog them. I don't as well. know why.
3: I don't know why people would take exception to that. You know, there are some ghastly people in the world. Some of them need to be fired.
0: Yes, but then you are pretty much ruining their lives. Anyway, moving on. Caller Peter in South London is our winner of the Perry Award for best impression for sneaking in the Laurel Yanni audio into his sentence.
1: Various parts of the world: yep. Philippines, India, yada yada yada. Right.
3: Yada yada yada. I love that. I didn't hear yada yada yada.
0: I know, you were, you were too busy fantasising about sacking people. <laughs> uh, this moment from Mike wins the Perio for best out-of-context clip. See, that I've seems... been pictured
3: naked in a hotel room <laughs> in Las Vegas. Yeah, that wasn't actually me, by the way.
0: It's, I'm sorry sure you Harry. Said I've been pictured Yeah, I naked. did, but
3: I was, I was speaking as yes, Harry. Yes, you were. Well, talking you... to Meghan about well, how embarrassing his family was.
0: Well, you should have pushed the, put the sort of posh should accent oh, okay, on. OK, all yes.
3: right. I've sorry.
0: Right, now, I'm very pleased with the next one to announce that I have won another award, this, this time me. for the best Westminster insider anecdote. I used to interview him um, when he was uh, a cabinet minister, and he is the only person I've ever interviewed that did such a weird thing. We were hmm. in his office uh, at the department, and he I was in the middle of asking him questions, and he leant back in his seat. Oh, yeah. And he started rubbing his nipples with his hands. What? Yeah, like this. But I'm not actually doing it.
3: <laughs> that was an amazing insight, actually. I can't um, think of him we, now in doing anything else.
0: Now we haven't actually said who he is. So well, I mean you should you know, now, it, shouldn't it, you? yes, it wasn't Jeremy Corbyn, no. it, it wasn't John Prescott, no. it was David Miliband. David
3: Miliband. And yeah.
0: his nipples. So that was Shocking. my that was my um, anecdote of the week. Now our next parrier goes to psycholinguistic. No psycholinguist Susie J. Styles. She's winning for best noises used in an interview if you imagine the sound of a trombone it's kind of a <laughs> sort of a noise okay. and the sound of a tuba is more like a <laughs>
3: yeah that's good yeah okay can you do a cornet
0: <laughs> 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 and she could oh she she, could. she was gay i was thinking
3: i could have gone through the whole orchestra there and yeah. she probably would have had a noise for every instrument
0: yeah, i used to play the piccolo did you yeah when when i was very small
3: okay can you yeah. not play any more
0: no, it's it's actually very hard. Is I can it? still just about play the flute if pushed, but the yeah. piccolo is I, hard. Yeah,
3: I, I was a violin player as, a, as yeah. a child. I could never play anything that you had to blow into.
0: No, my, my parents said you can learn an instrument if you want, and mm. I'm very indecisive with everything, yeah. menus or whatever, and it took me ages, and I said I finally put it down to a, a short list of two. Right, yes. so
3: what was it, piccolo or? The harp. The harp.
0: You can see why they pushed yeah. me towards the big. Yeah,
3: really arriving with yeah, some huge exactly. device, exactly. you know.
0: So I ended up playing yeah. the harp. There you so go. that was best noises. Now the Independent Republic of Mike Graham registered record listening figures this week. Very true. And there is a good reason for it. We are the home of top level debate, of course. And this moment wins debate of the week. Now, she, she
3: wasn't f- that well known before she met him. She
0: was. She was pretty well known. Not and really. Certainly I'd his... never heard of her. <laughs> well, I had. <laughs> I think I it's, won that it's, one. Yeah, I think you did, actually. I won yeah. that one, hands yeah. down. That was debated the week. <laughs> and our final Perry Award of the week goes to dear old Michael Fabricant again, okay. the MP, also known as Wiggy, behind his back, but he doesn't like that, which he did uh, mention <laughs> once or twice. But he wins the most voices and doublé entendres used in an interview.
3: Mr Fabricant, a very good morning to you. I am not a real... person. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, I just stick various things up there and... Uh, rich Tory, yeah. rich Tory spending a yeah. fortune Stub. on scum, yeah. Tory scum. My Same.
1: fear, by the way, sorry to interrupt, no, but my right. fear is doing it in bed, you know, and accidentally pressing the wrong button. I sort of walk around <laughs> in London, occasionally I'll go, Boris, yeah. or should I say, Ernest Moon, my <laughs> beloved Wales, because my sure. mother I'm was a, Welsh. I would have
3: thought, well, he can only go to Lake Como when he doesn't have a ministerial job. Well, know. this is true. How, how long do you think that will be? Oh, I, 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 Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for years.
0: He He was terrific, by the way. If he can't sleep at night, he's got all those voices going Mm. around in his head. I think so.
3: I think he's a man that doesn't sleep a lot, actually, I would say, because he seems quite sort of uh, tense and anxious.
0: But he's very nice. He is. I mean, obviously, bonkers. Yes. um, But bonkers in a nice way. But in a good way. And also,
3: we said, did we not, after we interviewed him, that actually, if more MPs were like him, people would get on with him a lot better. Well,
0: we were talking about authenticity and the fact that Mm. most, when he was saying, I'm not a robot, you know, most MPs get trained, media trained, and. And they get turned in the process from a human being in yeah. into well, a robot. Well, Dominic Raab
3: last night was a good example of that. He was on Question yeah. Time. And he could not come out with a statement which sounded anything like what yeah, a human just, would actually just, say.
0: Just automatons yeah. spouting soundbites.
3: Nonsense. Now, anyway, that's enough of the Perry Awards. Thank you so much uh, for all the people that voted for me. And uh, thank you. We'll have another edition next week. But coming up next, we're going to have some champagne because it's Royal Wedding Day. The 2018 Perrier Awards on
1: Talk Radio.
0: Talk Radio.
2: Dial up some dialogue.
1: Talk Radio. We'll get you talking.
2: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,